Hello and welcome to the EM Over Easy podcast. I'm Andy Little. What you're about to hear is our episode three that was previously recorded with myself and Tanner Gronowski. We hope you guys enjoy it. So uh, any uh, recent FOMED stuff that's been kind of catching your eye on Feedly or Twitter? Are we recording right now? This is just going to be an extra spot. I think you just like started recording and you... I did. You, you looked at me in your podcasting face. Oh, there's a podcasting face. <laughs> You've developed it already. Oh, nice, nice. Um, FOMED stuff recently? Mm-hmm. Well, the one that I liked recently was uh, has to do with more like... We talked about a little bit of professional development um, on the uh, Alien world. Mm-hmm with their ideas series mm-hmm. and building like building Legos it's all about like how to how to have somebody be a good teacher for teaching procedures and for someone who's doing a procedure to be a good listener and understand what yeah. their senior is trying to do um, I, I thought it was a phenomenal idea I think most people will think it's ridiculous initially yeah. um, but once they kind of get into it and realize that it's not as easy as uh, yeah. they were thinking it will it'll turn into a good thing. So I, I, to me, that was that was an awesome thing. You know, I chatted about this on uh, Shift last week with with an attending, and they were kind of like taking back like Legos to do a procedure. And I said, all right, so let's just use an example. Tell me how to do a central line. And they were like, well, you put the patient and you put the you put it in and you put the and I was like and you put the you put the, you, you, you use the put the a lot you know? and they couldn't actually go go through. It. And I said, but the benefit of Legos is that you understand that it's piece by piece. And that it's, it's stepwise, you know, and uh, and so it's just another abstract concept of how to teach somebody how to teach something rather than just say, well, just go throw it in. Because we've heard that multiple times from attendings. Yeah. Like, hey, how do I do this? Well, just clean your neck off and throw it in. And you're like, thank you for not helping me. Uh, well, uh, yeah. you've never, wait, you've never done that? You've never actually thrown a central line in? Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, you stand Across back, the room? You're yeah. like, I don't want to get sterile, so yeah, just go ahead and turn that neck for me. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. Central line ninja? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't come with a dart attached to it. So. Uh, Blowgun dart? Yeah, blowgun dart. Gosh, that'd be awesome, though. How much more fun would the central line be if you did that? Yeah, yeah. You could be like, oh, I got a, I got, I got a better shot at their leg. <laughs> yeah. Actually, on that note, I have, if there was one thing I could develop, it would be literally a ketamine blowgun dart. That'd be pretty awesome. And if it was legalized for medical use, yeah. that would be amazing. Or we could just put it in our psych rooms, that whenever they got a little crazy, like it come out as a mist. <laughs> no, not as much fun. Ketamine blowgun dart. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like the mist idea, because they'll like think that, oh, look, it's they're, they're giving me a shower, and it's really just No, they're, that's the last thing they're thinking. They're going to think they're getting poisoned and dying. Uh, that's probably true. <laughs> Let's make them freak out right before they get ketamine. That's going to... That's that's actually true. <laughs> um yeah, no, the, the thing that, that, that in the last week or two that's kind of caught my eye was this uh, this pre-anesthesia, um, the pre-hospital oh, yeah, anesthesia I, I checklist saw that, that I, I saw that post that, on Slack that you Yeah, um, uh, that, that Cliff Reed, um, a very, very good pre-hospital person, uh, put on uh, Sydney Hem's website. What, I mean, what caught your eye out of this checklist type of scenario that made it different than other ones you've seen? Well, mostly it was just how concise it was. You know, um, they're really, you know, there's three people there. You've got one person bagging the patient, so one person actually taking care of the patient. And then the other two actually just going through the checklist. And I, you know, I think back of all the times that I've ever had a problem with an airway or things haven't gone right, it's mostly because things have gone out of order. You know, like uh, the nurse calls out what medicine you want. So you say, oh, I want Atomidate and Sucks. And while you're getting everything ready, they're like, oh, I'm pushing the Atomidate and Sucks. And you're like, whoa, like there's no verbalization. There's a lack of communication. And I felt like that was a very good, concise 45-second video that shows in 45 seconds you can go through your checklist. And then you can give a concise um, instructions with feedback from the person giving the medication to where in 45 seconds, which is about how long you're going to want to pre them, you can have a very safe 
secure um, airway situation with the patient rather than it being kind of at stepwise or out of order. And, um, you know, like I, I intubated a guy the other day um, at work where uh, we had set up all the intubation stuff, but then his airway had improved. And so I came back and they cleaned all that up. They said, oh, this guy needs an airway now. And so I'm in there and I've got my C-neck and I've got a tube, but no stylet and no syringe. And, you know, all the stuff that was there is gone and they don't have another airway kit. But the nurse is like, oh, I'm pushing the medicine. And I'm like, whoa, time out. You know, and it was just one of those things got out of order because we just didn't go back to, to, to airway checklists. And if there's one thing that Drew could say if he was here um, is that why do we ask our, our pilots to have, you know, a 50 to 100 point checklist before they... Uh, take off or land an airplane, but when we put a tube down somebody's throat, we don't come up with some short, concise, oh, by the way, let's make sure everything's in place. And I thought that video was a good um, a good example of that, of how simple it is. Cool. Yeah, because I think when, when people brought it up in the past, people were like, oh, I don't need another checklist, and it's, it's, you know, it's getting in the way of the way I take care of patients, but it's, you know, we're talking about 10 steps, 45 seconds. It doesn't take that long. Yeah. So, speaking of which, um, uh, did you, I know... Drew and myself did the metric study. Did you end up doing the metric study? Um, yes, I actually completed it before both of you. So, oh well, good. Um, good. Was on top of it way before you guys. Oh, nice, nice. That's how. That's how yeah. in, in the know I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did. No, it was amazing, and uh, hence why you'll notice on my foam posts uh, on Slack, I have been putting in quotes, uh, author cited, peer reviewed. If, yeah. if it's there, that's yeah. everything because yeah. mind blowing. Yeah, just the the concept of specifically looking for that kind of stuff yeah. in a in a blog post makes a huge difference in how well I trust it now. Yeah, before literally before that, I I just you took everything. everything. Yeah, yeah it's like oh, anything you read, like oh, this is good. Uh, somebody put a blog post. This is it must be real. Yeah, and now uh, you all of a sudden I'm looking for who the author is, if it's been peer reviewed, and what their sources are. And if they don't have that, I'm questioning. Okay, should I really be looking into this? Yeah. And is this more is this more personal bias? Is this more personal preference? Yeah. Or just personal opinion versus yeah. actual literature? Uh, in, incredible. If if the metric study is still open by the time this goes to publish and they need people, you guys should all get on it. It's totally worth yeah uh, no, checking it, out. Yeah, it completely changed the way I view um, FOMED in, in general. And and for me, it was even interesting because I had done. Um, the Air Pro series through Academic Life um, through, the, through the Chief Resident Incubator had the opportunity with, um, with with the folks there to be involved with that, and that initially changed the way I looked at it because again it was very uh, metric style. Like, is it is it evidence based medicine? Is it mostly personal opinion? But then even the way that um, the folks at the metric study added that other layer of, you know, there's the clinical gestalt. Like, is this good or not good? Because I think that's one thing that you should trust your belly a lot more than we do, you know, because we're pretty smart, you know, in general. Um, and if something doesn't look right, it probably isn't right. And then you add that to the, the objective of is it peer reviewed? Do they have good references? Um, it makes a big difference, in my opinion, um, into what you should actually trust and not trust. Yeah, um, 100%. But I, but I did not notice until you mentioned it um, that you've been putting reference and cited and peer yeah. reviewed. Yeah. No. So it brings a lot of value to what we do. So, Especially now that it's such a bigger part of our education, you know, um, in fact, uh, it was interesting. You and Drew went there because you guys both worked overnight. That we had our little sticky note session last week in a conference, trying to really kind of make sure that we're meeting the needs of all of our residents and making sure that there wasn't a big gap of what we feel like they're missing in their education. Yeah. And outside of some awesome ideas and some really good, uh, I think, critiques of things we could improve or things we could do better, and mostly just tweaking what we're currently doing, there was an unfortunate. Um, uh, concern from some people that that they wanted to maybe be spoon fed 
their education, that they wanted the program to, you know, cover these important parts of their education, whether that be board review or whether that be basic science. And, and it was it was odd because at the end of that conversation, um, I think the best thing that was said from that was one of our faculty was present and uh, made the, the comment that I think woke some people up or at least gave them a, a basis for where some of our thoughts were coming from and how we do conference was is that on top of everything else we do clinically, if you're not spending 10 to 12, maybe 14 hours a week outside of shifts and outside of conference, actively reading something, whether it's FOMED or a book or you know a journal, then you're probably not going to get the most out of conference, you know, and you're probably your education is probably lacking in some way, shape, or form, because you know we only have you for five hours a week, and in those five hours we can't cover everything. You know, if we talk about chest pain, I can't talk about the history of chest pain and you know all the different small receptors in your arteries and your veins that lead to clot formation and to you know what makes angina angina like that's stuff that you're going to have to read at home. We're going to talk about how you take care of those people when they come to the hospital, not yep. the pathophys. They might be on a test, but those, that's the stuff you're going to have to spend time on. Um, and it was it was almost frustrating to see even some of our upper-level residents have that sentiment that, you know, well, they, I want to be spoon-fed. And it was, again, you've got four years to figure out that when you graduate from residency, you're going to have to spend 10 to 12 hours a week reading and brushing up on your skills and making sure that you're actively involved in education and your own self-improvement. Because after that, there's no weekly conference to show up and get, get told what to do. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing is is you know in I think a lot of med schools spoon feed. Yeah. And so we get in this. It's a bad habit. It, this yeah. exactly a bad habit of sitting there, show up to class, regurgitate it onto a test over and over and over. Yeah. And unfortunately, residency is not like that. There's not tests every week. At least for us, there's not tests yeah. every week. It's just our test is using our clinical knowledge yeah. to practice. Yeah. And, yeah. I, had, um, I had 23 tests yesterday. They're called patients. Yeah. Oh, only yeah. 23. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I think part of residency is learning how to create a, a process that is going to facilitate learning after residency. Yeah. And some people just aren't going to learn it. Yeah. They, they get stuck in a, in a rut and they're going to only do what is told told they're told to do and then yeah. have to uh, uh, go out and realize that they're behind a couple years out and yeah. say oh crap I need to start reading again or, or I, I need to go to a couple conferences I, sh- I should have done something like this yeah. a long time ago yeah. um, and I, and there go we, all planners of all conferences like those people because those are the people that beat the door down to go get their CME and show yeah. up for every hour. And, and yeah. you know, obviously, every residency does its best to try to prevent that from happening yeah. and prepare them for yeah. the real life. But yeah. uh, I, I almost feel like it's unrealistic to get a hundred percent of people on board with that by yeah. the end of residency. No, it, no, it you have is. you have four years, but in reality, that's trying to change someone's personality is pretty tough to do unless they have a significant yeah. uh, motivation to do yeah. so. And I think that falls back on the really the best time to get good at doing your education is as an intern. Yep. Because if you t- set aside 10 hours a week. I don't know. I would, I would argue second year. Well, you could say either way. I would argue yeah. second year. Because inter- 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 you're spending the majority of your time you're still tr- worried. You're just that- trying to like swim and keep your head above water so you can breathe just a little bit. Yeah. Second year, like it, it kind of evens out just a touch. You're still busy, but you yeah. still you have that time to kind of dedicate yeah. towards that. Yeah. The thing that I, I've kind of started to try to do and I heard a few years ago is after every shift, yeah. pick one case and just read up real quick on Don't it. Five minutes, ten yeah. minutes, whatever it yeah. is, because that's going to help just pound in the information that you need Slow to know about that case. Points. Yeah. And yeah. It, even if it's like baby Tintinelli's, if it's FOMED, whatever you want to use, yeah. um, just to get that foundation of basics down at, for 
yeah, if you're doing 16 to 20 shifts a month, that's 20 different cases that you've looked up yeah. throughout the month. That's that's a that's a pretty good base every no, year is. that you're yeah, doing. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. No, and, it's, and it's amazing even uh, working now in the community uh, moonlighting. We're, we're seeing a lot of some of the other providers. Some of them are very actively involved in their education where, you know, like one, um, he came in every time I look at him, he's like, hey, what are you learning this week? Like he wants to know what, 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 what a resident's being taught. And he writes it down. And he's got a little book that he keeps it in. And That's awesome. you can tell looking at his little book that every week he looks something up and he's got cases that he picks. And then the other ones that are like, yeah, I'm not really, you know, not, they're not really interested. They're really cool with what they learned in residency, and that, and, that, and they're fine with that. They've never had to practice outside their own parameters, and um, and, and luckily, I'm, that's just not how I'm ingrained. That's not how you and Drew are ingrained, and, and I think that's the probably the the goal now of residency is for us to be taught how to be adult learners. So, well, folks, that's a wrap for episode three. On behalf of Tanner Granowski, Drew Cannon, and myself, we appreciate you listening to the EM Over Easy podcast and look forward to you listening for future episodes. Have a great day.